you cannot perform touch a touch a touch a touch me with a student william schuster you sicko Welcome back to our third, third, third installment. Yeah, I think so. I, it feels like fourth because we did our Patreon episode, but yeah. third installment of Spooktober. What did we, what was our first movie? Oh, The Addams Family. And then we had Haunted Mansion slash Beetlejuice yes. on the Patreon. And now we are going in a very uh, wacky direction. <laughs> Some might call it campy. Mm. Um, Someone might, being me. I'm so mad that there weren't any uh, costumes related to this movie at the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. Not the most recent one, the camp one. (laughs) Yeah. Should we tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, go for it. We are doing the 1975 stage to silver screen classic (laughs) Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, this was my first viewing. I'm so which surprised. Is insane. Yeah, I have like almost gone to a midnight showing of it so many times, but every time like it's just not worked out, or like somebody's canceled, or like we went to do something else. So I keep I keep missing it. We have to go. I think like yeah, when you're here, we gotta. I feel like East Village Cinema will totally oh, have definitely. a showing. Yeah, every time I was Googling the movie just to like find facts and stuff, the first thing that mm-hmm. would pop up is like theaters in Toronto that are showing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually how I learned that I guess it is the longest running theatrical release of all time. What? Yeah. Okay, Richard O'Brien. Right, right. Yeah, I can tell you very specifically like the first time I watched this – one of my best friends, my longest, like, oldest friend, mm-hmm. Maggie, had the DVD mm-hmm. for Rocky Horror, and we had, like, a slumber party, brought the DVD over. I can't remember if we watched it during the slumber party or if she left it at my house and I just, like, watched it later. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, I was, like, <laughs> enthralled. And I was, like, a theater kid, obviously, but also yeah. just, like, so, like, just the costumes and the crazy storyline. Mm-hmm. And it was so, like, it was a- amazing. Like, it was yeah. an amazing performance. I was so endeared by this movie. And then um, I kept the DVD, like, did not give it back. And I would watch <laughs> it regularly. Like, yeah. I want to say, like, tried to watch it like pretty much every day when I came home from school and like oh my, my bedroom, like my DVD player. Um, I watched that movie so many times. You put in the hours. It was just so cool. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I haven't until this watch seen it in maybe like, I don't know, like a lot, like a long time. Like mm. I hadn't seen it in years. So it was wow. great to like see it again. And now I'm like, I need to own the DVD. Yeah. Like I need to buy the DVD. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's like coming home. That's so sweet. What a crazy movie, though, to like when you're like 16. I'm like, Rocky Horror Picture Show is my favorite movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is a pretty wild one to latch onto, especially, you know, at (laughs) that young of an age, because it is pretty, you know, avant-garde, some might say. 
But yeah, my only exposure to it was the Glee episode of Rocky mm-hmm. Horror, which I loved. So I a lot of the songs I know is because I listened to the Glee soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and also in Perks of Being a Wallflower, there's like a lot of Rocky Horror in that because they like mm-hmm. perform it every week. It's like a thing they do. So those are my frames of reference. But I did manage to know like a decent amount about the story from those but yeah definitely at certain points i was kind of like wait what's what's going on what's happening here and then it's like we're going to another song now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had recently um watched bull durham on the plane and that stars susan sarandon mm. and she's like this beautiful woman who helps these like minor league baseball players like go to the big leagues like each season she picks one to be like her pupil essentially and or her boyfriend but like she's also teaching them how to be better at baseball and um seeing her in that movie i was like oh my god she was such a little like vixen when she was younger <laughs> like she's so gorgeous mm-hmm. so seeing her in rocky horror from like the beginning janet to the end janet mm-hmm. i'm like Susan Sarandon had so much sex appeal in the 70s. Like, she was such an icon. Like, who let her? And her voice is so nice, too. Like, her her songs are so good. It's so, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even still, she's still super hot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every once in a while, I feel like Twitter will remember that Susan Sarandon exists and then there will just be like a frenzy. Feral, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did run into her on the street once. You're and by kidding. running into her, I mean I literally bumped into her and she touched my arm and she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. And like I kept walking. And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> Where was that? This was like right outside Washington Square Park. It was on like Waverly and um Oh my god. Whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. It was right by like uh Silver. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I would feel so shocked i'd be like i love this movie so much (laughs) thanks for touching my arm yeah but yeah it's crazy to see the clout that it's amassed through its cult following like yeah when you like wrote down that it was how many shows had 45 performances on broadway yeah on broadway i was like that's crazy because it's so beloved now right so like a little backstory for those who don't know about the musical itself, the Rocky Horror Show. Mm-hmm. It was originally a West End production in London. It was like very popular. It was doing really well. And then they did a U.S. transfer. So it actually initially premiered in the U.S. at the Roxy Theater in L.A. And it was really popular there, too. So that's when they started to like, you know get funding for the movie. They filmed the movie with the majority of the original cast was in the movie as well. Mm -hmm. And then after filming the movie, they did a Broadway transfer and it flopped, completely tanked. And it was like a couple (laughs) months before the movie came out, they wanted to like, you know, draw some, some buzz. And yeah, nobody liked it. It tanked. And then the movie itself also tanked too because I think it was only in theaters for like, a week after opening weekend they were like all right we're pulling this like this is not doing well and then they got the idea to do the midnight showings and that is Mm. where people really started to latch on it's also crazy because richard o'brien who wrote the musical Mm -hmm. is in the movie he's Mm -hmm. (laughs) riffraff 
And um, I read that he actually wrote this musical when he was like unemployed. He wrote it one winter to like occupy himself. Yeah. Um, and clearly you can see like if you've seen the movie, um, it was inspired by science fiction and B horror movies. So like low budge horror movies. Yeah. But altogether, obviously you want to know the numbers. The budget was so unbelievably low. It was 1.4 million. And mm-hmm. over the years, so not opening weekend, but like over the years, um, it's made $226 million in the box office. Yeah. Apparently, it's it might be more than that, at least because on Wikipedia, yeah. it said like needs updating. I was like, I've never seen that on Wikipedia okay. article before. <laughs> Terrifying. So estimated like over $230 million. So. Right pretty insane yeah um i did see some like old footage of like midnight showings back in the day people dressing up this one guy who's like i am the president of the rocky horror picture show fan club and then like 30 years later him being like you know we've been doing this like on the anniversary we've been doing this for 30 years and people still come out people still dress up and like that these showings have become like a safe haven and a safe space for anybody who feels different or like an outcast in society Mm -hmm. um which is really cool yeah i mean we'll talk about it in our the whole thing but it is such a movie of like outcasts Mm -hmm. and outsiders and also just like super like heavy gay pride and like I guess the only thing that I'm curious about is like how it's perceived for its trans overtones Mm -hmm. because it's like the just the rhetoric and like vernacular changed so greatly yes yeah you can't expect it to have aged perfectly Oh, totally, so. yeah. And things have changed so much, especially since, like, the mid-70s to where we are now. And, like, mm-hmm. for the most part, the term transvestite is, like, not used anymore. It's more so considered, like, a derogatory term. But mm-hmm. it is, like, you know, all over this movie is a self, yeah, you know, described term. So, yeah, things just change. Language change. Attitudes change. And, Yeah. I guess before we dive into it, because we haven't done any reviews in a hot minute, <laughs> let's dive into some reviews today. Let's do it. So our first review for today is from Sandy Hodds from Canada. Thank you so much for your lovely review. And because you mentioned the movie Cruel Intentions, which yes, is on our list, it will be done. Yes. We wanted to pick a little song from that movie, and what better than the iconic ending song, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. And inspired by the movie, I do think that this montage is going to be a little bit of like a road trip montage. I think you're driving in your car. You just need to get away from everything that's going on, get out of, you know, wherever you're living and just have a change of scenery. So you pack up your car, you start driving down the road. You don't know where you're going, but you're just going to kind of follow your heart. And you drive and drive and drive, and you're starting to lose hope because it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even have, you know, Google Maps. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you come across this really beautiful, scenic lake at sunset. So you get out of your car and you walk up to this lake and you feel just like this fresh air that you haven't been able to breathe in for so long. You take a deep breath 
And then you just sit yourself down at the edge of the water and watch the sunset. Beautiful. Next up, we have a review from Is Master. We have talked a bit in the DMs. We wanted to take into account your personality. We know that you're a Twilight fan. Mm-hmm. So we chose Eyes on Fire by Blue Foundation. I picture you in the woods, like deep in the woods. Mm. Maybe that's where you go to get away. And I picture you like out there. Maybe you're just enjoying nature. You're reading a book or journaling. And you kind of realize that it's gone dark. Like the sun is setting. And so you like bring out your, your phone and you put your flashlight on and you like start making your way back and you hear like a crackle like you there's like a crackling you know like maybe you're like is there someone around me is it just an animal in the woods and you like turn around and you see like a glitter like a glisten of light Mm -mm. suddenly a humanoid figure appears and you're like (gasps) and you drop your phone but they they bend down and they pick it up for you and they're like don't be worried and you're like suddenly just like a, a immensely enthralled and you're like what is like who yeah. is this like i want to know them like what's going on and you guys just like hold hands out of the blue and wow <laughs> next thing you know you're at the edge of the woods but you have this this integral feeling that you have to go back in oh my god spooky that's your montage sorry <laughs> sorry about it oh my god incredible So next up, we have a review from Morgan. Thank you so much for your wonderful review. Also, shout out to your cousin, Chelsea, who is also a listener. And we did stalk your Instagram a little bit. And we wanted to give you something that was kind of like like a nature-ish. We're going very nature-heavy in this. I think (laughs) it's the nature of of the spooky season of autumn. Yes. Yeah. So we've given you the song You're Not Good Enough by Blood Orange. So in this montage, I think that you and your cousin, maybe some of your other friends too, have decided to have a little picnic in the woods. So you get like a little basket packed up with maybe a little charcuterie. Oh, yeah. Maybe Maybe. maybe some drinks. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely some charcuterie. Also, just based on your Instagram, I do think you also have made a batch of um, Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco Negroni in it. Negroni Spagliato, Spagliato with Prosecco, Prosecco in it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you guys head into the woods. It's like a beautiful fall day where it's not too cold, but there's a slight like crisp in the air. The sun is shining on the leaves. They're like beautiful reds and browns and oranges. You lay out this little picnic blanket and yeah we just see everybody like laughing eating having some drinks and just having a generally like lovely autumnal day i love a cozy little montage you know Mm -hmm. and our last movie montage but not least is for m sizzle um we've talked in the dms we always appreciate getting messages from you and We've talked like a significant amount about the Devil Wears Prada. So we thought we would give you the iconic mm. opening song, Suddenly I See by KT Tunstall. Classic. So for this, I picture a very 
elegant opening montage. Kind of similar to the one in the movie, but different. It's just you, you're the main character, and you're waking up and just like, it looks like hotel fresh sheets, like super crisp mm. linens, amazing fluffy comforter, and you like maybe you take your eye mask off and you're just like, ah, like stretching out. Maybe you have like a cute little cat or dog that has a, a beautiful collar on that you like mm. pat on the head in the morning and you step into this like massive walk-in closet with different outfits you have maybe like a taupe section and like a cerulean section Ooh. and a magenta section who knows it's elegant and you pick out your outfit you go take a bath take a bath in the morning who does that <laughs> you like you know have your shower and whatnot you come back in like your silk robe and you you're like okay i'm gonna put this on and you get dressed and you pick out your just the perfect accessories maybe we get like a close-up wrist shot of like your jewelry mm. you pop downstairs and you put your arm out to hail a cab and just six cabs stop <laughs> for you you're like you're stop in traffic right now you're <laughs> looking incredible and you just head off to your posh dream job it's giving confident confident in the workplace mm. I think it's just a, a montage that really centers on you and just like this amazing life that you've created for yourself. Wow, I love it. Well, thank you so much for the wonderful reviews that you guys have left. We really appreciate them so much. We are definitely going to get back into the swing of giving out our montage shout outs. Yes. So if you would like a shout out in one of our future episodes, all you need to do is leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and we will pick a montage song for you. Also, before we dive in, I just want to plug a former guest, Rivka Reyes. You may remember them from our 13 Going on 30 episode. Also, you've definitely seen them as Katie the Bassist in School of Rock. Oh, yeah. So Rivka is actually making a sexy short film called Gianna as an entirely queer cast. And it's a story about a queer addict who takes an assignment from her therapist a little too far. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Mysterious. Right. It's also like heavily inspired by Jennifer's body. So if this is something that you would like to see come to life – we recommend you donating to their Seed and Spark campaign. I have it linked in the show notes. It's also in the link in our bio on social media. So yeah, if you want to make some cool, sexy queer art come to life, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. Opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> With that being said, should we just dive right in? Let's do it. So we open up on the iconic image of the disembodied red lips singing science fiction double feature. Wow. This image like of the red lips was actually inspired by a surreal Man Ray painting, which I'm definitely going to butcher the French of, but it's Allure de l'Observatoire des Amoureux. And the song, Amazing. like the lyrics, oh my gosh, thank you. I just took French <laughs> for like eight years and you wouldn't even know it. So <laughs> the song, <laughs> the lyrics are actually made up of like 
fragments of different like 50s subgenre horror and sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like different references to all these films. It's very avant-garde. And initially when they um, wanted to like open the movie with this like shot of the lips, they also wanted overlaid like various clips from the movies that are referenced. But it was too expansive, so that did not happen. We are working on a shoestring budget, so <laughs> that did not come to fruition. But we then fade into this church where a newlywed couple is making their way down the steps. Like, we're throwing the rice. The photos are being taken. At this point, I was like, oh, my God, that's Tim Curry in the background as the pastor. Yeah. And I did not clock that, like, the other people there are also, like, Riff Raff and Magenta and Columbia because I had no frame of reference. But, you know, they take the little wedding photo and we meet Brad Majors. He's having a little combo with the groom. The bride throws the bouquet, which is, of course, caught by Brad's girlfriend, Janet Weiss. Our heroine. Oh my gosh. Well, actually on Wikipedia, when you look at like the cast list, because it has like a description of every character, like a one line, like three word yeah. description. And for Brad and Janet, it's the hero and the heroine. Yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting based on like the fact that their journey is kind of like a subversion of the typical like hero or heroine's journey throughout the film. So I thought that was interesting. So the groom is like, oh, it's going to be your turn next, bratty boy, and then hops into his car to drive off with his bride. And we also see that written on the car is, wait till tonight. She got hers. Now he'll get his. Scandalous. Yeah. A pretty bleak uh, (laughs) image of heterosexual marriage. (laughs) So... We then have this shot of Janet and Brad, and I did notice we do see the boom in the shot because, again, no. low budge, low budge. <laughs> but Janet just gushes about how beautiful the bride looked, and Brad's like, yeah, that groom's a real lucky guy. And we can see, like, the wheels are turning in his head. Pensive. He's like, hmm. He's thinking about something. Something's cooking up there. So as they walk through the graveyard, which I actually do know for a fact is a graveyard because it's attached to a church, if you listen to last week's episode. Yes. And Brad talks about, you know, like the bride, like she's a good cook and the groom, he'll be due for a promotion soon. So he's really just like following the steps that society has laid out for him. And he says, I've got something to say. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I really like the skillful way you beat the other girls to the bride's bouquet. (laughs) So now we get a song just how about how much Brad loves Janet and how the future is theirs and he is hers. Damn it, Janet. I I love love you. (laughs) So they make their way all the way to the steps of the church and he gets down on one knee. Mm. He shows her the ring. They, they fumble it. They like drop it and then they um. pick it up. And she's like, oh, it's better than Betty Monroe has. Oh, oh Brad. Brad. <laughs> now we're engaged and I'm so glad. Oh, oh Brad. Brad. <laughs> that you met mom and you know dad. Oh, oh Brad. Brad. <laughs> and that's, I've got one thing left to say and that's Brad. I'm mad for you too. <laughs> 
This is your one woman show. <laughs> yeah. Love it. They're really enthralled. They're so excited. And they're like, there's one thing left to do. And that's go see the man who began it, Janet, <laughs> when we met in his science exam. Janet. And so they're like, okay, we have to see Dr. Everett Scott. We met in his high school science class, and we've got to tell him we're engaged. I fully did not catch this detail in the lyrics because I was just, you know, vibing to the song. You're vibing, yeah. I was yeah. having a good time. Um, so then I was like, why are they driving to go see their science teacher? Like the first thing they do after they're engaged. Um, but it is quite literally there in the lyrics. But I have to wonder, like, what is the deal with this science class matchmaker because the couple that just got yeah. married like also met in this class yes. too so like what do you have up your sleeve dr everett yeah he's tuned into the gossip he's mm-hmm. like i know who's crushing on who i know who i'm making lab partners which teachers do do this it's like a real thing so that's crazy have you seen the tiktok trend where someone will be like who do you think the prettiest girl in school is? yes <laughs> and they're like uh, Alyssa Milano and it's like who do I have here Alyssa, Alyssa Milano <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Brad Majors <laughs> love that Alyssa Milano is the name I, I really couldn't I was like Alyssa alright let's just go with it um, but yeah. yeah so they kiss in front of the cross but mm. I don't think I realized this but I seen your note that they walk down the aisle to the altar while the church people are bringing in a coffin. Yes. So, <laughs> so like Riff Raff and Magenta and Columbia, yeah. who we don't know who they are yet, um, they're bringing in this coffin and it looks like it looks like they're setting up for a funeral, like right after <laughs> the wedding. Yeah. So, they're like, gotta make we are making money, honey. Do you do you have to like pay to get married at a church? No, right? I think it must depend on the church. Yeah. Because I would assume, like, an amazing basilica in Italy will charge you. Right. But I don't know if, like, your church that you go to all the time mm-hmm. would charge you. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of murky laws when it comes to, like, churches oh, and yeah. finances. But They're like, well, we're a religious institution, no taxes. Mm-hmm. But you must pay $8 million to get married here. <laughs> <laughs> so we then cut over to... The criminologist, he is like our our narrator of sorts, does not have a name beyond just the criminologist. And he's, mm-hmm. he actually has like a, a picture, like the wedding picture that was taken with like people's faces yeah. circled, um, which is when I realized like, oh, that's Riff Raff in the background. And he also has like pictures of Brad and Janet and police statements <gasps> and asks to bring us on a curious journey and tells us that. Brad and Janet left Denton that late November evening to visit Dr. Everett Scott, their former science teacher. The weather that night was bad, and their spare tire needed some repair. Mm. And he says that it was a night out they were going to remember for a very long time. Do you remember who played Riff Raff in the Glee version? Kurt. Kurt Hummel? Yeah. Yeah. So for the Glee version, (laughs) well, initially Mr. Shu was like, Kurt, you're going to be Frankenfurter. And he was like, no, like I just because I'm gay, essentially. Um, So he said, no, it's the best role, Kurt. It's the best role. Um, So then actually Mike Chang was like, oh, I'll play Frankenfurter. (gasps) Mike Chang never got what he deserved. Because his parents said no. 
But so the original casting was going to be, it was Finn and Rachel as Brad and Janet, Obvi. Mm-hmm. Then we have Kurt as Riff Raff, Sam as Rocky. It was going to be Mike Chang as Frankenfurter, but then it actually ended up being Mercedes. Oh, that's cool, though. And then they had to double up on Magenta's and Columbia's. So it was Quinn, Santana, Tina, Brittany, and Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. And then Artie was Dr. Scott. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, Sam dropped out of being Rocky because he felt uncomfortable in the little shorts. So then, you know, the natural next choice for Rocky, do you know who stepped up? Public offender number one, William Schuster. What the fuck? You cannot perform touch a touch a touch a touch me with a student William Schuster, you sicko. Why do I feel like I remember him playing <laughs> Rocky? Did, um, what's her name? The redhead. So, yeah. So Emma and him, like, rehearsed this number. So the the reason that they're even doing Rocky Horror in the first place, this plot is so thin. Because Emma and her boyfriend at the time, Carl, who is John Stamos, yes. go to see Rocky Horror and she like loved it and Will's in love with Emma's. So he's like, oh my god, that's so crazy. I just decided that the Glee Club is doing Rocky Horror. <laughs> he's so toxic. Yeah, and so he's Emma, no. Literally. And so he's like, well, now that Sam dropped out, like I have to play Rocky and I have to get touch a touch a touch a touch me ready for rehearsal tomorrow. Can you help me, Emma? And I'm like, you don't need to do anything in that song. You the literally toxicity. sit there. And so she performs a song. She's like all over him so that he can like get all up in her business. And I'm like, you're a disgusting little man, William Schuster. Nasty. No respect. <laughs> Anyways, that's my glee tangent for the episode. <laughs> so Brad and Janet drive through the rain to Dr. Scott's. Janet's just like chomping on a chocolate bar and like, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did read actually that the um, costume designer for this film, she didn't put a lot of like effort into like doing research. Mm. She was like, you know, it's intuitive, like you know what a spaceman looks like, right? You know, and so she was like, yeah, my outfits for like the Americans, like Brad and Janet, it was, it was very like, oh, stereotypical, like what I think Americans would wear, very like fifties like conservative yeah but she said it was really like good like and i agree like for the oh yeah for what it needed to be totally um so they're driving in the rain and it's coming down pretty heavy a motorcycle passes them and janet is like that's the third one we've passed tonight and brad is like oh life is cheap to those types so they keep driving And they come up to a dead end and Brad is like, oh, no, we must have taken a wrong turn back there somewhere. Mm. And Janet is like, "Okay, then where did the motorcycles come from? But anyways, not never answered. Mm -hmm. Brad reverses and one of their tires blows out and he's like, oh, man, I should have had the spare fixed. But you know what? I think I saw a house or a castle or something back there a couple miles away. I'm going to go you know, walk back and get help. And Janet says, I'm going to come with you. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's like, who knows? Like, maybe you'll meet a beautiful woman and like, you'll never come back. Mm, Mm, Little did they know. Same, same, but different. Right. 
So Janet uses the newspaper she was reading as a makeshift hood and they just, you know, run over to this castle. Yes. Then we have like this really melodically, like very beautiful song over at the Frankenstein's place. So they arrive at the castle. They see a sign that says, enter at your own risk. And at this point, I like did think that the dead end was like put there purposely for like the people in the mansion to like catch lost people to like get them in their grasp. But that doesn't seem to be the case because like everyone at the castle was like very surprised to have visitors. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if I like thought that they the tire was popped on purpose. Like one of the motorcyclists maybe like attacked. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But it's never really clear. Yeah. Also like the, the musical, I believe is only 40 minutes. So they definitely had to add stuff to kind of embellish the movie, Mm. make it more of like a movie length. Yeah. But we see them like very dramatically walk through the grounds towards the castle. There's fog there's rain. We also see the like three motorcyclists like drive up to the castle. So yeah, what's going on there? Who knows? The castle is like massive and we see this kind of like glass dome thing like at the top of it as well. Mm -hmm. And the castle was actually used in multiple horror movies such as The House in Nightmare Park, The Reptile, the Brides of Dracula, and The Man in Black. And it was refurbished in 81 and converted into a hotel. But when they filmed here, it was, like, horrendous conditions. <laughs> so run down, yeah. Yeah, like, they, the ceilings were leaking constantly. It was freezing cold. They had this one room that they called the warm room because it had space heaters in it. And it was the only place you could go to not be, like, literally shivering and about to get hypothermia. But then one of the space heaters caught on fire. So they're like, okay, no more space heaters. So Yeah. Susan Sarandon got pneumonia. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> that's the tea. Like. Certainly also, not up to code. 1.4 million budget. Like, for those actors now as we know them, like, wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy, pay- like, crazy low payment. It's pretty, it's pretty insane how they managed to, like, actually get this movie made. Mm-hmm. But. We also see in the window of the of one of the towers of the castle, Riff Raff is also he's watching them. He's singing. So we cut to the criminologist, and he tells us that Brad and Janet found the assistance they required, or had they? <gasps> so Brad and Janet approach the castle, and Janet is like, "I'm so frightened." Like. so brad is like you know janet they might have a phone and like knocks on the door riffraff opens the door and lets them in immediately he's Mm -hmm. just like yeah come right in and janet again points out how frightened she is and brad's like oh janet it's probably just some kind of hunting lodge for rich weirdos riffraff is right there he's literally right there i'm like that's insane Also, at this point in the movie, Janet only knows three things. It's be frightened, eat hot chip, and lie. And that's all she knows. Right. (laughs) Right. So Janet is like, oh, are you having a party? Because there's people laughing and um, whatever in the background. And Riff Raff is like, 
You've arrived on a special night. The master is having one of his affairs. <laughs> so we hear the clock strike midnight, I assume. And Riff Raff opens up this clock door to reveal it's actually a coffin. What? With a skeleton in it. And he's like, it's astounding. Time is fleeting. fleeting. <laughs> Starts singing the amazing song Time Warp, which is probably one of my favorite songs in the movie. And he's, you know, dancing around. His sister Magenta, in her little, like, maid costume, comes down the stairs to join in. And, you know, they're singing about how they remember doing the time warp. And we go into this giant, like, ballroom. We see a sign in the background that says, like, the Transylvanian Convention. So, like, all the people dancing around are from Transylvania and we basically threw the lyrics of the song and also like a diagram from the criminologists get to learn the steps to the time warp where they're like it's just a jump to the left and then a step to the right put your hands on your hips um so we kind of like cut back and forth between the ballroom and also the criminologist who is also like fully dancing on his table like having a blast he's sucked in he's compelled by the power of the music so <laughs> Janet, however, she faints. She's like, oh, my music, dancing, well, I never. She faints into Brad's arms. We also meet Columbia, who also, like, works at the mansion with Riff Raff and Magenta. She has her little verse. She does her little tap number. I was walking down the street. <laughs> She's having a blast when a snake of a guy gave me an evil glance. Everyone has, like, very nasal voices. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. So Janet is, like, trying to pull Brad out of the room, but Brad is, like, low-key invested. He is feeling the music. Right. And once the Transylvanians finish the song, they all fall to the floor, and Janet's like, Brad, let's go. And he's like, damn it, woman, get a grip. We need to use the fucking phone. Get a grip, Janet. He's like, we need it. We need the phone. And she's like, we'll ask the butler or something. And Pat's like, well, now wait a minute. We don't want to be rude. There's a party going on here. And she, her last line before what's about to happen next goes, Brad, I'm frightened and I'm wet. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> so what happens next? Oh, the elevator comes down. Someone's in it. Well, you got caught with the flat. How about that? <laughs> Dr. Frankenfurter, played by the one and only Tim Curry, enters the scene. Incredible. I'm enthralled. I'm invested. I'm mm-hmm. like, who is this man? Can I get his number? Yep. Immediate performance mode. Like, Tim Curry is taking no prisoners. He is on. Exactly. And he's like, Riff Raff thought you were the candy man. And tells them that he's just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Mm. Uh, uh. And Brad's like, well, we got caught with a flat. Um, can we use your phone? Da, 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 da. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're in a hurry. We just want to say where we are and head back to the car. He's very much like in and out, babes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this note is. The water in the camera. I don't know what that is either. Is there water on the camera lens? I have no idea. I don't know it's what I your wrote note. That for. Yeah, <laughs> I, <don't Damn>. know. <laughs> I would. I could imagine there is like water on the camera lens. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So Frankenfurter tells them not to worry. He will get them a satanic mechanic. But he asks them to stay for the night and maybe a bite. Mm. He could show them his secret obsession. He's been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. Mm. And he asks them to come up to the lab to see what's on the slab. They see you shiver with anticipation. Maybe the rain (laughs) isn't really to blame. So they'll remove the cause. But not the symptom. Oh my god. I think Brad and Janet are just left with their jaws dropped at this moment. I mean, as would anyone. I can't even comprehend like i can only imagine the feeling and the energy in the room in like the original productions when tim curry was performing this like in front of people palpable palpable tim curry was made to play this role like literally really yeah commands it absolutely so riffraff and magenta go up to brad and janet and they start trying them off with these like rags and in the process also strip them down to their undergarments and Janet is absolutely scandalized. Mm. And Brad's like, don't worry, Janet. Just play along for now. Like, we'll show our cards when the time is right. What cards do you have? None. <laughs> they have no cards. No cards. They have no car. They have no spare. Yeah. And <laughs> Magenta, like, pulls down Brad's pants at that moment that he says that. And we see that Brad's a very well-endowed man. Man's packing some heat there, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse me. But Columbia's like, you're lucky to be invited up to the lab. Some people would give their right arm to get up there. And then he's like, some people like you. And she's like, hmm, I've already been to the lab. <laughs> she walks away. And in the elevator up to the lab, Janet tries to ask Riffraff if Frankenfurter is his husband. And Riffraff is like, we're not married. We're simply his servants. <laughs> So they finally get up to the lab where Frankenfurter is waiting for them in his little, like, scrub-esque dress situation. I don't even know how to describe it because it's not like scrubs. Oh, he's like in a lab coat or something. Because it's like, it's like a high neck and then it's kind of like fitted at the it's waist. It's like a really chic like, pair of scrubs, yeah, I guess. I was very into it. I think <laughs> With like the big pearl necklace, too. Yeah, I think if you wanted to dress up as Frankenfurter, but oh, you that's didn't- Oh, that's the costume. Yeah, if you didn't want to like wear underwear and a corset, maybe, this would be a great alternative. And it's pretty easy. Like, I feel like you could find some type of green dress, big fake pearls, and I want to wear this costume. If you got like a really big sheet, I feel like you could kind of like- tie it and make it happen yeah Mm -hmm. so the lab is like this it's a circular room and there's kind of like a ramp that goes along the wall that leads up to this observation deck and on the observation like balcony deck whatever you want to call it uh the transylvanians are all there watching you know waiting for the show to begin Mm -hmm. so frank asked magenta and columbia to like go get his reveal ready while he meets Brad and Janet officially, and he also gives them some button-downs to wear so they're not quite so scandalized in their underwear, and says it's not often they have visitors, let alone offer them hospitality. And Brad's like, 
why I ought to, like, hospitality. So you showed us no hospitality. Nothing. And he's like, <laughs> all we want is to use your phone and you keep ignoring us. And Frank is like, my, my, my. What a perfect specimen of manhood. So dominant. Janet, you must be so proud to have him. And she's like, thank you, I am. And <laughs> then Frank and Furter asks oh if they have any tattoos, which initially I was like, that's a such a random like pivot. But then I realized right. later on, he wanted to know if they had tattoos because he's going to impersonate both of them later. What? Crazy. Psychotic, some might say. Yes. So then Riff Raff comes <laughs> over to say, it's time. What is going to happen? So Frankenfurter gets on the mic and addresses the Transylvanians and says they're about to witness a breakthrough. And he talks about how he's discovered the elusive ingredient, the breath of life. He holds the secret to life itself. <gasps> Everyone applauds. They're like, yeah, yeah. The Transylvanians are dressed just so like glittery and like with the glasses it's like a mix between like steampunk and like some type of costume jewelry-esque because they're wearing like suits right and then like what looks like a glittery like party city fedora and like crazy sunglasses and like all this jewelry it's really it's Mm -hmm. really interesting to look at i kind of wish we got like more glimpses of the transylvanians because they kind of like disappear after the scene but yeah It was very cool. Yeah, it's super interesting. So everyone is applauding. We see this big water tank, and floating inside is like what looks like a mummy. It's like a humanoid figure and all bandaged up. And Riff Raff flips the switches on uh, Frank's command, and this machine gets lowered down from the ceiling with – what well, looks like a bunch of fucking like paint or food coming, yeah. <laughs> but it it's I'm assuming they're trying to pretend like it's like little chemicals yeah. and whatnot. So he turns the different knobs of the different chemicals, and it's like a little yellow, a little red, a little blue. As this is happening, we see the water begins to become like rainbow. Mm. <laughs> so the secret to life is gay. True and. <laughs> Philosophically. <laughs> so after much like build up, the creature in the tank starts moving its arms and he like grabs grabs onto the sides of the tank and you know stands up and they unveil his face. It's this blonde man, mm. and Frankenfurter names him Rocky. <gasps> so we then get another song. The Sword of Damocles, and Magenta and Columbia unwrap all these bandages to reveal that Rocky is fucking ripped. He has 1% body fat. <laughs> he is shredded. Um, right. I did read that the guy who played Rocky, Peter Hinwood, was an underwear model with no acting experience. They cut all of his speaking lines and also oh my gosh. dubbed his singing voice. So they were like, That was clear. They're like, Peter, (laughs) you can just stand here and look pretty. Just look gorgeous. So we also see that Rocky is wearing these tiny little gold shorts as well. Very iconic costume. Frankenfurter is chasing Rocky all around the lab as he is singing. I honestly don't even remember what this song is about. Um, What is he singing about? 
it's really like just him becoming alive mm. and he's like the sort of Democles is hanging over my head <laughs> and I got out of feeling that someone's gonna be cutting the thread mm. and I think like the song itself might be alluding to Damocles which I know nothing about yeah but like he's like uh, my high is low I'm dressed up with no place to go and all I know is I'm at the start of a pretty big downer mm. so maybe it's it's alluding to his eventual demise but yeah the prophecy mm. mm-hmm. yeah while this is happening frankenfurter is chasing him around the lab as he's like dancing and singing to the transylvanians and running away from frankenfurter he's like drooling yeah like, he's like <laughs> yeah so once like they get back down to the tank frankenfurter is like rocky <laughs> this is no way to behave on your first day out but since you're such an exceptional beauty, I guess I'll forgive you. Mm-hmm. Raff, Magenta, they're like commending Frankenfurter's work. And Columbia's like, yeah, he's okay. And Frankenfurter's like, what? He just, just okay? Uh, okay. We can do a little better than that. So he brings Rocky over to Brad and Janet and is like, what do you think? And Janet's like, well... I don't really like men with too many muscles. And Frank is like, I didn't make him for you. Brad is standing there like, why the fuck would you say that? And then he's like, pish posh to you two. He has the Charles Atlas seal of approval. And I was like, who the fuck is Charles Atlas? He was a bodybuilder. So that's why. (laughs) So we jump into the song, I Can Make You a Man. Um, And like you said, Charles Atlas was a bodybuilder and there was an ad that he was in from like the 40s and 50s and it said in just seven days I can make you a man Mm. so that's how it was inspired Frank brings Rocky over to some like (laughs) it looks like candy but it's a a thing of dumbbells and weights and it's for Rocky's birthday they also give him one of those it's like a horse like you're sitting on a horse or something, but you use it in gymnastics. Oh, like a like, balance beam thing. Yeah, it's like a shorter one. People like I can't remember. Hold onto the called. bars and do like headstands and then do they like whip yeah. around with their legs. Yeah, yeah. So he's giving him all of this gym equipment, and he's just like, in just seven days, I can make you a man. It's pretty pretty straightforward. It, although it has some creepy undertones. Mm-hmm. And then we do we do a hard pivot because suddenly the freezer door opens and busting out of the walls. Who is it? A man on a motorcycle. And when I tell you my jaw dropped when I was like, is that fucking meatloaf? Because I had no idea. Bless my soul. I really love rock and roll. Yeah, we jump right into another song. Hot patootie, bless my soul. The man on the motorbike, his name is Eddie, although I don't even know if we know that yet. He has this giant scar on his forehead, so... He looks like his head was bashed in. Yeah, as a first-time viewer, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? I was so confused. And as a maybe 20th time viewer, I said, what the fuck is happening right now? I'm so confused. Yeah, so he's singing all about his love for... Rock and roll, the rock and roll lifestyle. He's riding around on his motorbike. He's he pulls out a sax. He's going fucking stupid on the saxophone. <laughs> Absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's some kind of like backstory between him and Columbia that has not been revealed yet, but like it looks like she's in love with him and like unclear at this point what's going on. Frank watches as Rocky is like dancing along and gets super jealous, like immediately filled with rage. So he shoves Rocky in the elevator, locks him in. Meanwhile, Eddie is on his motorcycle. He's driving around, almost kills the Transylvanians who end up running away. We never see them again. Goodbye. And (laughs) Frank goes into the deep freeze and pulls out this like, it looks like a giant ice pick, I guess. Is that what it would be? Kind of looks like an axe. I I couldn't tell what it is because it has like a long handle like an axe would. Yeah. But it had like a flat like a blunt edge to it. Mm. I don't know what I don't know tools. I'm sorry. Um but he pulls out some weapon thing and chases after Eddie, following him into the deep freezer and uh we don't see it, but he is bludgeoned to death. Yeah, we see the blood. Yeah. So Frank comes out and Rocky is, you know, upset by what he's just witnessed. He's banging on the elevator gate. And Frank opens it up. He's like, oh, Rocky, it was a mercy killing. He had a certain naive charm, but no muscle. And Rocky's like, me have muscle. So he like, he like, (laughs) he's like, please don't kill me. Yeah. So Frank starts singing a little reprise about like how hot he is, how much he wants him. We also see Janet, like Janet sings in the background Frank takes Rocky down like what looks like a wedding processional like they walk arm in arm people are throwing rice and and petals just like a wedding and takes him to the bridal suite as like this curtain opens to this giant bed and Frank and Rocky go to um, consummate their relationship cut back to the criminologist my man I did see when I was watching um, some trivia Vincent Price was considered for the role of the criminologist, but he couldn't commit due to scheduling conflicts. So the criminologist tells us that some people say life is an illusion and reality is a figment of the imagination. If that's the case, Brad and Janet are quite safe. Mm. However, he says that Frankenfurter leaving with Rocky made them feel apprehensive and uneasy a feeling which grew as the other guests departed and they were shown to their separate rooms. So we see Janet get pushed into a room with this like pink light. Columbia and Riff Raff are like watching them or watching her on a monitor and she does like notice that the camera is there so she tries to like cover up as if she hasn't like been in her bra this entire time. Right. (laughs) We also see Brad get pushed into another room. No pink light though. So later that night, while Janet is in bed, we have this, like, um, shot of the bed with, like, this, uh, like, netting. Canopy. Canopy, canopy, yeah. It's like a canopy bed. And she hears some knocking on the door, so she sits up. And it's Brad. And she's like, oh, Brad, like, come here, come here. So he hops into bed with her. And she's like, oh, Brad, I'm so worried. And he's like, oh, everything's going to be okay. And, like, he gets on top of her and they start making out. And Janet is like, oh, my God. And it's unclear, but I think it's implied that they, like, j- like he has just entered. 
that they I think they had sex. Like have, yeah. they have like just started having sex. Right. But then she like pulls on his hair and realizes it's a wig and it's actually <gasps> Frankenfurter. So she's like, oh my God, shoves him off and she's like, what have you done with Brad? He's like, nothing. Why should I? And <laughs> <laughs> the audacity. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, very upset. She's like, I never would have done it if I knew it was you. Like, I was saving myself for marriage. And he's like, oh, it's okay. But didn't it feel good? Like, you were enjoying it, weren't you? And he starts kissing her and she kind of, like, gets into it. But she's like, no, no, no. And, like, pushes him off again. And he's like, oh, don't worry. Like, I'm sure you're not spent yet. And she's like, do you promise not to tell Brad? And he promises. And then they have sex. Mm. You know, the ethics of this, pretty murky, pretty not great. We got a little bit of deception and coercion going on here, but that is what happens. That is what happens. Meanwhile, Riff Raff and Magenta look at each other and then over at Rocky, who is inexplicably in front of a stained glass atlas window, like atlas holding up the world, mm. and Riff Raff decides to like fuck with Rocky and yeah. shoves the candelabra in his face. And just like Frankenstein, Rocky is scared shitless of fire. Mm-hmm. So he ends up like ripping off his chains and escaping. And he climbs, he, my man climbs down the elevator shaft. Yeah. And Magenta and Riff Raff start hooking up. They have this weird, so they have, I didn't, I think I might have. R- did this I write is your this, this is your note, yeah. Fuck. But basically, what happens is like he climbs on the elevator shaft, and Magenta and Riff Raff do this like twice, where they like kind of put their forearms together. That's what it is. Thing, and then he like goes and starts kissing her neck, and I was like, "Are you guys siblings? Yeah, what's going on? It's never really explained, but there's some weird incestuous uh, overtones, I would say, uh, in their relationship. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So we then go over to Brad's room where Janet comes in and she's like, Brad, Brad, I'm so worried. And like she hops into bed with him and he's like, oh, it's okay. Like we'll be gone in the morning. He's stroking her hair and realizes it's a wig. It is Frankenfurter. And he like pulls the exact same script on Brad that he does with Janet. It's like beat for beat, the exact same thing. And – Brad is also seduced by Frankenfurter. Oh, yeah. And while, like, Frankenfurter is going down on Brad, Riff Raff gets on the monitor and is like, Frankenfurter, Rocky has escaped from his chains. He is running around the grounds. Magenta <laughs> has released the dogs. And Frankenfurter is like, I'm coming. And then, you know, gets back to the job at hand. So we cut back to Janet, or actually first we cut back to Rocky, who's running from the dogs. Mm -hmm. But then Janet, like, gets in the elevator, just, like, remorseful about hooking up with Frankenfurter. And I think there's, like, this weird um, thing where it's, like, (laughs) keeps cutting, like, the the scene keeps cutting and she's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What did I do? Where's Brad? Where's anybody? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. I think Susan Sarandon just is such a killer at this role. She's so good. Yeah. She's like, if only we were amongst friends or sane persons. Yeah. So she goes up to the lab 
and just regrets coming here and meeting these people. She wonders what happened to Brad and turns on the monitor. And what does she see? Frankenfurter in bed and Brad smoking a cigarette post-coitus. Like, it's so clear that they hooked up. Mm -hmm. And she's like, are you fucking joking? (laughs) So Janet hears some moaning and finds Rocky just like shaking and hiding out in his tank. She's like, oh, my God, did, did they do this to you? And he nods. And she offers to dress his wounds and like rips off a piece of her slip. And she begins dressing his wounds, but quickly becomes very sensual. I think she like mm-hmm. starts wrapping his hand and they just like look at each other and it's like, <gasps> yeah. So we then cut to the criminologist very quickly who gives us a definition of emotion, which is agitation or disturbance of mind, vehement or excited mental state. And says it is also a powerful and irrational master, and what Magenta and Columbia eagerly viewed on their television monitor, there seemed to be little doubt that Janet was indeed its slave. Mm-hmm. So we then get the song Touch a Toucha, Toucha, Touch Me. And Janet sings to Rocky, you know, she's tending to his wound about how she was a virgin like she was she's feeling done in she was never interested in sex before but now she's tasted blood and she wants more and she's you know telling rocky to touch her she wants to be dirty there's also this line where it's like heavy petting only leads to trouble and seat wetting and i was like oh my god yeah (laughs) so she you know seduces rocky creature of the night Magenta and Columbia, they're like eagerly watching. They also are kind of like playing as if they are Rocky and Janet in this moment. And like, mm-hmm. I guess they also hook up. I don't know. It's unclear, but we just Everyone's like come back and forth. Here. Everyone's sucking and fucking in this uh, <laughs> mansion. So yeah, Rocky and Janet have sex in his uh, in his birth tank. Yeah. She, I love this line that she has. She's like, I've tasted blood and I want more. More, more, more. <laughs> so Frankenfurter, Brad, and Riff Raff take the elevator up to the lab. And Frankenfurter is beating Riff Raff. Like, I think he's using a whip or something. Yeah, he is. Yeah, for losing Rocky. And he's like, you need to find him. Brad is still in his robe after hooking up, mm-hmm. just like standing there. Riff Raff turns on the monitor and sees that they have a visitor. And Brad comes over and he's like, by God, that's Dr. Scott, their old professor from the science class that what? he and Janet met in. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Frank Inverter just immediately gets mad and he's like, oh, so this wasn't a chance meeting. You came here on purpose. Brad is like, no. My car broke down, mm-hmm. and Frankenfurter's like, I know what you told me, but I am not unaware of Dr. Scott. He works for the Bureau of Investigation, and I forget exactly the wording, but it's like the Bureau of Investigation for UFOs or something. Yeah, he basically says that he works for the government investigating UFOs, yeah. Yeah. Riffraff tells Frankenfurter that he's like coming in. And Frankenfurter's like, hmm, he'll probably be in the Zen room. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Naturally. 
So we then cut to, in fact, Dr. Scott chilling in the Zen room. So Frankenfurter's like, okay, let's have a little meeting. So he flips on this, like, ultra super magnet, which in, in like, a almost theme park looking uh, track, Dr. Scott's wheelchair, like, zooms around the castle, like, through the rooms, up the stairs, like, it's crazy. And he finally is pulled into the lab through the wall, and Brad is like, great, Scott! Dr. Scott sees Frankenfurter, he's like, oh, we meet at last, but is very surprised to see Brad, because they are not in cahoots. But Frankenfurter's like, don't you play games with me! I I know what Brad's doing here, like, was this all part of your plan? So Frankenfurter is like, well, plans change, and Dr. Scott is like, I'm telling you, I had no idea about Brad's visit. I came here to find Eddie, my nephew. (gasps) What? (laughs) I was so confused at this point. I was like, what the hell is going on here? So they then hear, like, a gasp from the tank, and it's Janet, who couldn't keep her freaking trap shut. Her fucking <laughs> trap shut. I I couldn't agree more, Christina. I'm like, you played yourself, Janet. So Frankenfurter goes over, obviously, like, throws the blanket off of them and sees that Rocky and Janet were together. And we have this, like, crazy sequence where everybody's shouting each other's names. So it's like, Janet, Dr. Scott, Janet, Brad, Rocky, Janet, Dr. Scott, Rocky Brad Janet (laughs) Brad Dr. Scott It goes on for quite some time And Frank Tells Rocky that he made him So he can break him Just as easily Because he's obviously very upset that his Um I guess like he made Rocky as like a plaything, His boy toy Yeah as like a sex Sex doll I don't know Yeah so then Magenta comes in out of nowhere, bangs a gong, and says that dinner is ready. And Frankenfurter is like, well, excellent. Due to the circumstances, formal dress is optional. Oh, my gosh. So we cut to the criminologist, and he's like, food has always played a vital role in life's rituals, as will this meal. Mm. And so we enter the dining room, which is just like so bleak. It's yeah. super creepy. But I saw that each place had like three spoons and three forks mm. and was like set with so much silverware. Yeah. Everyone had at least two or three different cups. Yeah. yeah. It's like so eclectic. And Riff Raff and Magenta roll over this i don't know what the thing is called it's like a cloche it's like Mm, a metal serving dish you know and they bring it over to frankenfurter riffraff opens it up and just like plops this gigantic hunk of meat in front of him and magenta hands him an electric carving knife i did think it was ham at first and then i realized that i was mistaken yeah i don't know it's just like a big hunk of meat well you know what what it ends up being right (gasps) Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. That's terrifying. Because I re- initially I wrote, oh, it's like a ham. And then I was like, oh, that is not a ham. Okay. Yeah. So awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Frank raises his glass and toasts to absent friends and to Rocky. 
and puts on this just super cliche birthday hat and starts singing happy birthday as everyone gets served up their slice of ham. Mm. And it was funny because Janet ends up like singing. She's like, happy birthday. And he's like, that's enough and sits down. (laughs) Also, as he's carving the piece of meat, Rocky like gives a glance over at Janet Mm. and (laughs) Frankenfurter like shoves the knife at him and he stops. So Dr. Scott brings up Eddie again and Columbia gasps, but Frankenfurter, you know, also turns the knife over at her and he's like, um, it's a bit of a tenuous subject. And then Columbia excuses herself from the dining room and goes into the next room and just like starts screaming and wailing like mm-hmm. right outside of the door. And Dr. Scott turns to us like straight to the camera and he's like, I knew he was in with a bad crowd, but this was worse than I imagined. Dr. Scott calls them aliens, mm. and Frankenfurter calls him Dr. Von Scott, and Brad is like, what are you implying? And then we jump straight into a song called Eddie, and Dr. Scott is singing about how Eddie was trouble from the day he was born. He's always been, you know... The wrong side of the tracks. He left home when his the day his mother died. And since then, all he wanted was rock and roll porn and a motorbike. And he became a rock criminal. Rock and roll porn and a motorbike. You know, kids these days. And we also see Columbia, like, in her room, which is just, like, plastered with photos of Eddie. Singing it's about like how... Shrine. Yeah. She's singing about how, like, she loved him, but he went insane i think like it's the the backstory is very unclear but like she loved him he had some level of feelings for her never quite matched her level of feelings i don't know she says i very nearly loved him i said hey listen to me stay sane inside insanity but he locked the door and threw away the key yeah so yeah Dr. Scott also reveals that Eddie sent him a note, which looks like it's written in blood, frankly. Right. And it says, I'm out of my head. Oh, hurry. I may be dead. They mustn't carry Mm -hmm. out their evil deeds. So this very abruptly ends the song as Frankenfurter rips the tablecloth off the table to reveal Eddie's mangled corpse sitting in a coffin underneath the glass. So what they were eating wasn't ham. It was Eddie. Sounds like he was a bit of a no good kid, but when you threatened your life with a switchblade knife, what a guy makes you cry, and I did. Yeah. Yeah. So Janet screams and runs directly into Rocky's arms. I'm like, are you stupid? (laughs) You're going to get killed. Yeah. So Frankenfurter pulls them apart and hits Janet and starts chasing her through the halls. Wise up Janet Weiss. Frankenfurter tells Janet she better wise up. And you know what? I agree. (laughs) I agree. She's playing a little too dumb for my liking. Mm -hmm. So she keeps running away from him. Um, Brad goes up the elevator to the lab. Frankenfurter flips a switch so that their feet and Dr. Scott's wheelchair wheels are stuck to the ground. And it's just like... Brad, Janet, Dr. Scott, all stuck. Mm -hmm. And he's like, quake with fear, you tiny fools. 
And Dr. Scott talks about how his team has been working on a device like this, but Frankenfurter seems to have perfected it. Something about like electromagnetic yada yada. Space stuff, yeah. It's like a, a atomic transportation. Science you know? things, you know. <laughs> so Janet is like, oh my God, are you going to send us to another planet? And he's like, planet schmanet, Janet. <laughs> and Magenta flips the Medusa switch, which one by one turns everyone into a statue. He also turns Columbia into a statue because she like tries to stand up to him. Yeah, she like runs in. She's like, I can't take this anymore. First you spurned me for Eddie and then you got rid of Eddie for Rocky. Like you chew people up, you spit them out. Yeah. I loved you, but all you do is drain people and now you got to choose. She's tr- she's honest though. Yeah. He's although I love the pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. of Rocky or sorry, Frankenfurter. He's awful. He's like such a bad person. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so there's also like a backstory between Columbia and Frankenfurter that they had a romance too. And so she's like, you got to choose between me and Rocky. So Frankenfurter nods to Magenta and Columbia gets turned into a statue as well. He actually looks like at the camera, I'm pretty sure. And he's like, it's not easy having a good time. And then they turn Rocky into a statue next. And he goes, even smiling makes my face ache. So Frankenfurter goes up to Magenta and Riff Raff and asks if he made a mistake by splitting Eddie's brain between him and Rocky. So that's what the giant scar on his head was. Half of his brain went to creating Rocky. And at this point, I was kind of starting to like put together. I'm sure this is like very, very obvious, like for people who have seen this movie many a time, that there's like a lot of like allegory to um like genesis um like adam and eve because like Fra- like frankenfurter has the ability to like give life it's very similar of like oh separating like adam's rib like to make eve and like the whole like separating the brain to make rocky mm. and then but then also like frankenfurter is also the serpent that tempts like our adam and eve which would be brad and janet um so there's just like a lot of kind of comparisons to um, Adam and Eve, but then also like Janet and Rocky could also be Adam and Eve because they're separated by like God. I don't know. There's like a lot of there's a lot of like references, I feel like, to Adam and Eve. And we also yeah. see at the very end when Frank and Vitter is in that pool and he's like laying down that the painting on the bottom of the pool is like the God and Adam, like whatever that painting is called, where their fingertips are touching. So it's interesting. There's also, I mean, clearly very a lot of allegory to just the story of like Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, definitely. And hit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Magenta actually is fed up at this point. She's like, I've grown weary of this world. When can we return to Transylvania? And Frankenfurter is like, Oh, you two have served served me well. Your loyalty will be rewarded in time, but for now, it's time for the floor show. So he leaves, and then again, Riff Raff and Magenta have their weird little forearm touch moment, Yeah, and it's weird. (laughs) She also says something like, I ask for nothing, master, and he's like, and you will receive it in multitudes or something. Yeah, something like that. And he goes into the elevator. Mm -hmm. 
So we cut back to our good old friend, the criminologist, who says, just a few hours after announcing their engagement, both Brad and Janet had tasted forbidden fruit, Mm. which was proof that their host was a man of little morals. And what was coming next? A floor show? In an empty house? In the middle of the night? What was Frankenfurter up to? It was clear this was to be no picnic. So we're getting ready for the floor show, and we see Frankenfurter dress the statues. Um, They get, like, corsets and boas and makeup, and we jump into Rose Tint My World, where Frankenfurter first turns Columbia back into a human, and she sings about Frankenfurter and Rocky and says, um, how do they phrase it? Like, rose-tinting her world keeps her safe. Mm-hmm. Ben Rocky becomes a human, and he's like, I'm only seven hours old, and my libido is just, like, going fucking crazy. And he's like, all I can do is, like, fucking suck. <laughs> and Brad says, it's beyond him, and he's like, help me, mommy. And then he raises his leg, and he's in, like, fishnet stockings, mm-hmm. and he's like, I feel sexy, Janet becomes alive, and she's like, I feel released. I'm so much more confident. And then the curtain is lifted to reveal this, like, huge radio tower. Yeah, so we see Frankenfurter standing there, also in, like, a matching corset, underwear, fishnet stocking, get up like the rest of them. And he starts singing, don't dream it, be it. He's like, oh, whatever happened to... Faye, Ray, and reminisces about seeing her dressed up in a satin dress and wanting to be dressed the same and tells us to give ourselves over to absolute pleasure, erotic nightmares beyond any measure. And he falls into this swimming pool and is singing, Don't Dream It, Be It, which I read actually that um, was taken from like the back of a magazine. Yeah. And also the life preserver that he has is one from the Titanic. (laughs) And so everybody joins him in singing and they jump in the pool and it just kind of like turns into this kind of like orgy-esque situation. People are like kissing each other. They're swimming around underwater, just like fully letting go of all inhibitions truly and like sinking into this world, into like Frankenfurter's uh, like pseudo paradise, I suppose. The Medusa switch then flips again, and Dr. Scott is now human, and he's like, Mm -hmm. we gotta get out of this trap before we're overcome. I need to be strong. And then, like, his leg starts working, and he's like, oh my god, his leg is also covered in uh, fishnet stockings. So Frankenfurter gets out of the pool, and they keep singing about, you know, keeping the party going, shaking it until the life has gone. Rose tint my world keeps me safe from the trouble and pain. And that's when Riffraff and Magenta come into the room. They look super different than they have the whole movie. They have these like very futuristic space outfits on. Yeah. Magenta's hair is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like up in a triangle shape and we see her like gray streak going up it looks like i want to say like bride of frankenstein yeah exactly yeah and 
Riff Raff's hair is now in like a little ponytail and they have these like silver and gold outfits. And they come in and they say, we're in charge now. <gasps> and Riff Raff asks Magenta to turn on the transit beam. So this is where we learn that like Transylvania is not like Transylvania. It's actually like an alien. It's like another planet. Mm-hmm. It's not of this world. Yes. Then we got the iconic song, I'm Going Home. And Frankenfurter whispers into Columbia's ear, then whispers into Rocky's ear. And they set up like the, the light. There's like Columbia has a spotlight for him. And Frankenfurter sings about the day he went away. All he had to say was goodbye. And he talks about how he's seen the blue skies and now he wants to go home. As he sings, he's like walking down the aisle in this theater and he sees all these people who are watching the show. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think they're just normal people. They don't look like the Transylvanians. Yeah, no, they just look like normal theater goers. Right. And then Frankenfurter finishes his song and everyone's cheering. Magenta's like, how sentimental. And Frankenfurter looks around. He sees that no one is in the audience. Mm. And Riffraff tells Frankenfurter that when he talked about going home, he just met him and Magenta. And he tells him he has an antimatter ray and to say goodbye to all of this. Columbia screams and Riffraff just like shoots her with the ray. Yeah. She falls. Frankenfurter tries in just one last mad dash mm. to climb up at the curtain um, to get away. But Riffraff shoots him. And he falls to the ground. The curtain falls on top of him. Rocky feels extremely emotional at seeing his creator die. And he lifts off the curtain and cradles Frankenfurter in his arms. And then Riff Raff tries to shoot Rocky with the ray, but it bounces right off of him. So Rocky, like, holds Frankenfurter, kind of, like, puts him on his back mm-hmm. and climbs this radio tower on the stage but it falls over. Yeah. And Frankenfurter and Rocky are just dead in the pool. And then Magenta turns to to Riffraff and she's like, I'm confused. I, I thought you liked them. They liked you. And Riffraff is like, They never liked me. And Dr. Scott chimes in. I'm like, Dr. Scott, stop <laughs> typing. Shut up. <laughs> He's like, You did the right thing. And Riffraff points his ray at him and he's like a decision had to be made and he apologizes for dr scott's nephew but he suggests that they leave now because they're about to beam this whole house back to transsexual transylvania and riffraff tells magenta that they're going to go back and they'll do the time warp again Mm. So Janet, Brad, and Dr. Scott, we see them all hobbling out of the house while it is beamed back up. The criminologist tells us about the insects crawling on the face of the earth, the human race, lost in space, and meaning. The end. Whoa. What Pretty a heavy crazy ending. final 25 minutes of this film. Don't. Dream it. Be it. 
Yeah. The music is so good. It is really good. I really like because the music is very like 50s rock inspired, but also clearly is like influenced by like the 70s glam rock kind of movement Mm -hmm. of the moment, which I thought was really cool. It's like opera rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just love how well they utilized everyone's voices too. Like I'm Mm -hmm. sure this was a part of the casting reason, but like when Susan Sarandon sings Touch Me, it's just like – Yes, like that song has to be sung by this like little lilty high soprano. Yeah, Yeah. I just think it's delivered so perfectly. Like for me, I wouldn't change any casting. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change pretty much anything. Like I think it's such a fine-tuned movie and it's so creative. Yeah, and I really do love that they kept a lot of the original cast. Like I know that the studio had wanted to – go for bigger names like i think they were considering mick jagger to play frankenfurter and you need we need tim curry like nobody else need can or curry. will do this role like tim curry he originated it like he is the best at it yeah i like that they used the original cast and also like relatively like smaller actors like they didn't just go for names and i mean not that they could have afforded to anyways with this budget yeah but um yeah, I thought it was it was pretty wacky. It's definitely out there, but I really enjoyed it. And like, I feel like especially talking about it and like doing this episode on it, I feel like I was able to like gain a, a firmer grasp on what was going on. Whereas like the first time I watched it, I was just kind of like, what's going on? I do think there are like some pacing issues with it. No. Uh, just a little bit. What are your pacing issues? Some parts do feel slow and other parts I think they don't um, give you enough time to kind of understand what's happening because it just goes like song, 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 song. And I think that also is like part of the issue with the show because the show is only 40 minutes and they had to like fill out the movie. It is crazy that the show is only 40 minutes. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure like the stage show in its iteration now is like mm-hmm. closer to the movie, whereas like the first ever production, gotcha. I think, was only like 40 minutes. Gotcha. But they definitely like added songs to kind of like fill it out a little bit. But also, I think in the stage show, it, go- it uh, Sweet Transvestite comes before Time Warp. Oh, interesting. Okay. But a lot of like productions now will flip it so it's closer to the movie. But yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was like visually very interesting to look at i do think that like with the the costuming and set like they did a really good job especially with such a small budget totally although unfortunately the actors did have to suffer with that set (laughs) but right yeah it definitely it definitely brought up like a lot of interesting themes and I, i think it makes a lot of sense that it is such like a this movie like the showings of this movie has become such like a haven like a safe haven for people who feel out of the norm or people who feel like outcasts or people who are part of like marginalized groups that's the place that you can go and really like revel in your differences and you know let your freak flag fly so to speak totally agree i think also one of the biggest themes of the movie is like giving yourself over to pleasure tapping into those desires and yeah just being different like being in other Especially in I'm Going Home, I feel like Frankenfurter talks about feeling like an outsider on Earth. Mm-hmm. So I 
think those are definitely like important themes and reasons why people have watched on. And also just the fact that it was such an openly queer and like there's like bisexuality and like gayness and everything like intertwined into the movie. So yeah. And it's so like unjudgmental about it. Yeah. Right? Cause it's almost like you're in a different world and um, oh fuck. What was I going to say? Oh, I will agree with you about the, the, I won't say pacing, but mm-hmm. I will say it is a hard plot to follow. It is a hard plot to follow. Mm. Like e- if you've seen it or not, just getting all the details it's hard, like, even to be like, oh, yeah, that's why Meatloaf had a gash on his eye because yeah. <laughs> Frank Inverter, like, split his brain. Mm-hmm. So those important details are, like, can really just fly under the radar mm-hmm. pretty easily. Um, but, yeah, this is a movie, like, I will never get sick of watching, and I think it's because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. The performances are so good and the music is incredible. So Yeah. And I mean it also like really I think closely reflects the like the sexual revolution that was going on at the time. Like mm-hmm. that kind of started in the in the sixties and was, you know, really happening in the mid seventies. Like hair came out around this time as well, I believe. I guess this was also before AIDS. So it yeah. was like a really like sexual freedom. Yeah, I think it really reflects like the kind of changing attitudes at the time and like also the fact that this this world of like acceptance of like androgyny and like queerness yeah. and transness was considered like of another world because it wasn't like the norm whereas now like there's I mean there's still a long way to go but attitudes are slightly different where like right. people who dress in that way isn't as jarring or like doesn't feel that other because it is just seen more yeah yeah i would agree with that for sure that being said i am so curious on what you rate this movie hmm i did really like it but it's not like oh my god this is like now one of my faves let me think what have i rated so far in spooktober i haven't given anything like a super high rating as of yet i think i'm gonna give it like a solid like 8.5 i will give it a 10 yeah <laughs> I, I figured yeah i i was like wondering too because i was talking to someone recently and they asked me what my favorite episode to record was mm-hmm. and i was like oh we've like done such like fun episodes mm-hmm. and i was trying to think of like what my favorite movie is i was like this is my favorite movie yeah I'm so glad we got to do it. I know. Me too. I just wanted to like say the whole thing. I wanted to do a one woman show the whole time. So I mean, Lord knows I have done that on the podcast before. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so fun to rewatch. We should watch it when you come visit in person. Absolutely. I think it is a really fun uh, movie that people might not necessarily think to put in their Halloween rotation. Yeah. But because – it is such like a it's a parody but also an homage to all of those like 50s like sci-fi horror b movies that i do think it is a really fun addition to throw in your in your halloween rotation so i would i would consider it if you're in canada you can watch it on disney plus if you're in i was about to say new york (laughs) if you're in the u.s you can watch this on amazon prime for free if you have amazon prime um otherwise i think you could just rent it on amazon 
Beautiful. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. It was super fun to record. Yes. And if you want another episode before our next and final Spooktober episode, you can join our Patreon and just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode that you vote on. You get access to the close friends on our Instagram story where we like post some behind the scenes and kind of like clues onto the episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, You get your own montage song, which we are working through right now. Everyone's gonna get one. Yes. And uh, if you want even more content, you can also follow us on Instagram. It's movies that raised us. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for our final Spooktober movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.